Welcome to the River Hills Church Deep and Wide podcast. Each week we'll be going a little deeper and casting the vision a little wider based upon what we talked about on Sunday morning. So we are so glad you joined us. Stay tuned as we get rolling into Deep and Wide. Today in Acts chapter 9. And I want to start out our time together today on this podcast, just like I started out the message yesterday. And it's simply by asking this question, do you need a miracle? And the answer is yes, you probably do. I know I do. We've all prayed for miracles. We've all prayed for God to do something uh, impossible in our lives or in the lives of other people. And it could be simple stuff. Like you could be running 15 minutes late to a huge meeting and you're 20 minutes away and you're praying, Lord, let time stand still or Lord, let me hit all the red light or the green lights, Lord, uh, let them be running late. You've prayed for things like that. It could be a sporting event and you're watching your favorite team and you're like, oh, let there be a miracle because there's no way they're going to win in the end if something miraculous doesn't happen or unexpected. Or it could be to the other extreme. And this is the real stuff about miracles. It's the miracle of maybe someone's dying and the doctor says there's no more hope. Lord, let there be a miracle. Maybe uh, you have bills due, your house is going to be foreclosed on, and you don't have enough money, and it's due tomorrow, or else you're going to lose everything. Lord, let that miracle happen. Or maybe it's the miracle we're hoping for in the Middle East and Ukraine and different parts of Haiti and the Dominican Republic right now. Lord, let there be peace, which would be miraculous, specifically of what's happening in Israel. We're all looking for miracles. And yesterday we dealt with you know, the greatest miracle is not something that is circumstantial or temporary or just here on earth. The greatest miracle is the resurrection, which we participate in by knowing Jesus. It's the gospel. And that is important for us to maintain as we go through life, as we think through the different things we have to think through, as we negotiate the problems before us, and as we really take on the challenges uh, to our own spirituality, is that we have to keep the main thing the main thing. Uh, because, you know, like we kind of talked about yesterday, we've prayed for miracles. Let's just say healing. You've asked God to do something miraculous and healing someone or yourself, you know, and it is miraculous. And hopefully you've been a part of that or you've seen that happen before. We've all, at least all heard stories. But maybe the bigger miracle is the change of perspective and peace of mind that we get when we don't get that miracle or that prayer answered. Instead, we get a different outlook. And so, you know, it's, it's important for us to understand that. I remember um, a lady uh, that was I, I grew up with uh, her and her family, uh, much older, much older. She could have been my grandmother. And a few years ago, she passed away. Uh, surrounded by family. And I mean, she had scores of family and grandchildren and great-grandchildren, and she was beloved in the community. And honestly, after getting COVID, she needed a miracle. Uh, and people prayed for that miracle because like Tabitha, we read in the Bible yesterday, she was one of those people who had a servant's heart. But what was so fascinating is the miracle didn't come. She ended up passing away. Um, uh, some family of mine went to visit her and uh, they were sitting in her in her room, and um, she was in her hospital bed. Um, and all the pictures of her family were on the wall, every one of them. And she would sit and look at the family as she was drifting toward eternity. And her husband said, "You see that one at the top? 
That's the one she talks about, though. And it was Jesus. It was a picture of Christ. And, and the miracle in that is not the anxiety that comes with passing in those moments. It was the peace that comes with passing in those moments. That's the greater miracle I think we need to sometimes relish on. But, but what we need to understand specifically about miracles, or there are some absolutes or some things to think about, because we see a lot of stuff all the time. We see things that are absolutely not miraculous, but abnormal, and, and many times contradict scripture, uh, uh, church tradition. And I don't mean church tradition as far as your music. I'm talking about how We've seen scripture and how that's been applied throughout the generations of church history. Uh, we've seen that abuse, specifically in the last 100 years. I mean, how many times have you flipped through the channels late one night or gotten, gotten a video on Instagram or TikTok of something that is abnormal, but yet people call it a miracle? And it's what I would call false prophets uh, proclaiming something, uh, the health, wealth, prosperity, heresy. Um proclaiming something that really they have no authority to proclaim. So we have to understand a few things, biblically speaking, about miracles and when they do happen. Um, we pray for them, and I hope we receive them. And I want you to understand, you may be in a very rough spot right now, um, and I want you to get this, that God cares deeply for that rough spot you're in and cares deeply for you, hurts with you in the midst of this, delivers you through the gospel eternally and is working through this process. I want you to understand that. I want you to understand that as you pray for those bad memories to be erased, they may not be erased, but you can learn to cope through the gospel of Jesus. There's the miracle. Yeah, the cancer may not go away. The cancer may still be there and it may take you out or someone that you love out. But here's the deal. The peace of knowing Jesus, the peace of knowing that he is working in the midst of that suffering. Don't scorn that. And, and at the same time, you know, he may deliver you, but don't scorn that either and use it or abuse it. Let it change you. And so as we deal with the idea of miracles, and as we looked at two separate miracles yesterday in the book of Acts, I wanted to deal with four, really four abstracts or absolutes as we talk about miracles, as we think through them. Um, I would love to say um, this authentication that we're going to deal with um, is not something I've come up with. I've, I've, I think it's important for us to share knowledge we get from other believers. And a guy named John Stott uh, in his uh, book, The Message of Acts, uh, talks about these. But, but when we look at, at Scripture as a whole and we categorize them and how they apply, there are some authentication factors that we need to understand about miracles. Um, and I want to give you the four. When we look across Scripture as a whole, Old Testament and New Testament, first and foremost, authenticate the fact that these guys and gals in Scripture follow the example of Jesus. So when we look at Peter yesterday and how he healed the two folks in Acts chapter 9, you got to understand he was following the example of Christ when he healed when when Peter healed, healed the paralytic, uh, that's almost verbatim what Jesus did in Luke chapter five, verse seventeen through twenty six, when the paralyzed man was lowered through the roof and Christ healed him and said, "Take up your mat and go." And 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 Peter at the time at the same time in Acts chapter nine, many many years later, says, 
take up your mat or make it ready or make your couch ready to recline. Basically, he's saying you're healed. Do what Christ calls you to get up and do something. He also, and and when he heals Tabitha, or otherwise known as Dorcas, one of my favorite Bible names, um, and he he mimics what Christ does. He uses the example of Jesus in Luke chapter seven, verse eleven through sixteen. Jesus heals Jairus's daughter, who is dead, and raises her back to life. Peter raises Tabitha through the power of Christ back to life. And these are things that we have to understand, even in the Old Testament, when you look at Elijah and Elisha, who raised people from the dead, or when Moses stood before the Red Sea and it parted, or when Joshua prayed that the sun would stand still. Understand something. These all follow the example of Jesus because it because it is not calling upon our power to do it, it's calling upon God's power to do it. And, and in that example that Christ gives, specifically in the New Testament, following the example of Jesus, every one of these apostles followed the example that Christ gave them. And so the, the, the thing we have to be mindful of is that when we pray for miracles, or maybe you've gone to a place where they're saying they're going to do a miracle. There's a, there's a place up in North Georgia right now where they have this idea that if you get into a uh, a pool of water, a baptistry, um, that uh, you'll be healed of certain things. And while I'm not saying God doesn't use things like that, that's not what baptism is, number one. And number two, that's not what miracles are in the context. There's no miraculous thing happening in that water. What I'm trying to say, and I hope you understand me, is that miracles follow the pattern of Jesus. There is a purpose in that miracle. And so when you're praying for a miracle, you know, you're praying for Christ to intervene, just like Peter prayed that, just like Paul did that and performed that, and other apostles, just like if we even go to the Old Testament, they're praying for Christ or for God Almighty to do something. And what's so fascinating in the person of Jesus is that we see him really presenting the gospel by authenticating his power through his miracles. That was its purpose. And so when we think about miracles, we first of all have to authenticate it with a fact, are they following the example of Jesus? Is this real in that context? If they're not following the example of Jesus, if they're simply lining people up to come on stage and putting hands on them and causing them to break out in tongues, listen to me. I'm not saying there's not miraculous stuff that's happening. I want you to get that because God can do anything he wants. However, that's not the pattern of Jesus and what he did. Number two, you authenticate it because it was performed by the power of Jesus. Now, I want you to understand that. Sometimes people are so desperate, and you and I have been there, where we'll go to a faith healer because we want whatever's ailing us to go away. And we we focus on the power of that person. Um, or, the you know, I've even seen things before where, people will send in a piece of cloth or a handkerchief to pray over for someone to pray over. So they'll send it back and there's power in that. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. Every time in scripture, specifically in the new Testament, it's in the name or it's in by the power of Jesus, you know, and what's so fascinating is that, and this is kind of in alignment with that is that the apostles were able to do these miraculous signs because they were empowered by Christ and it authenticated the reality or the fact that they were messengers and gave God's word. Now, 
when we understand apostle, we have to understand that the idea of an apostle, biblically speaking, stops in the New Testament. There are no more. Now, there are apostolic tendencies. And what I mean by that is that there are people who are starters, people who initiate. What the apostles did is they gave God's word and they went out and spread the gospel for the purpose of planting churches so that people would come to Jesus for the glory of God. There are people with those types of gifts. However, there are no more apostles because they didn't know Jesus in the flesh. And these apostles in the New Testament did, and they were empowered by Christ. They did these miracles to authenticate, hey, God sent me here to give you this word and to start this movement. So it's important for us to understand that. And so as we go through the process of really gathering that up in our own minds to authenticate whether something is a miracle or not, we we we, we continue that whole line of thought by, is it in the power of Jesus that these things are happening? Is it a power of Jesus that um, um, these things are, are occurring, or is it just in our hope that through oil or through water or through uh, a prayer or through a certain ritual that things are going to happen? So we always have to go back to the Word of God to see if it's in alignment with the power of Christ. And so there's a lot of questions I'm assuming you have about that. Um, and so I want to give you a safe place to research that. Um, there are several books about this kind of stuff, and I'm not going to list any of them uh, for lack of time and knowledge to some degree. Uh, but I want to give you an idea, and this is hopefully an encouragement to you and important to you. As, as you go out and pick a book out, you know, one of the things I've learned is don't just simply look for a title or something exciting. Look for who publishes it, because sometimes our publishers keep a firm grip about what they're publishing as in, and is it in alignment with good theology. So let me give you a couple. InterVarsity Press does a great job with that. Uh, Baker Books does a great job with that. Um, Erdman's, E-E-R-D-M-A-N-S, does a good job with that. Zondervan does an excellent job with that. Uh, John Knox, in some ways, does a good job with that. Um uh, is we Tyndall and Tim Tyndall publishing as well as Broadman and Holman do a good job with that. Uh, and there are others, uh, and there's some who publish, uh, Moody, for instance, I forgot about that one does a good job. Um, and there are some that, that publish maybe more moderate or liberal ideas of theology, but you know, if you're not well-versed in how to understand some of that stuff and critically read it, I would say stick to those publishers when you're picking out books as well as study Bibles, commentaries, and what have you. It's important for you to maintain that. So going back to authenticating what we have to deal with as it pertains to authenticating a miracle, it, it has to be performed in the power of Jesus. Number three, it, everything is a sign of salvation in Jesus. Now, what do we mean by that? So what happened to Tabitha yesterday in our text and what happens throughout scripture when someone is healed or they are they rise from the dead, that's resuscitation. What I mean by that is they weren't resurrected into the newness of life like Christ was. They're resuscitated because Tabitha died and every other person in scripture whom we read about, you know, who is delivered from death, uh, whether it be the widow's son that Jesus brought from death or Jairus's daughter whom Jesus brought from death or Lazarus as well. These guys were resuscitated. Christ was resurrected, which means he was completely and absolutely dead, and he rose new. He was already perfect, 
And what he's doing to you is that in Christ, you will be resurrected one day. And that's the beauty of the gospel. And so understand that the signs of miracles are not the end all be all, but it's a sign of salvation and what Jesus is doing. So it has to, and this is our fourth authentication. It has to point to Jesus. It's not pointing to Jesus. It's not a miracle. It has to point to the glory of God, to the glory of Jesus and what he's doing. So when we look at those passages yesterday, those miracles happen not to say, ooh, ah, look what Peter did, or ooh, ah, you should go to that church. No, if you read a little further in both instances, it was saying, hey, people came to Christ in the area of Sharon, in that valley there. People heard about what happened to Tabitha, and they followed Jesus. And Lida, where... um the paralytic was was healed. People heard about that, and, and it came to Jesus. And so these miracles have to point to Christ. It doesn't point to movements. It doesn't point to churches. It doesn't point to pastors or faith healers or whatever. It always points to Jesus. So are you needing a miracle? Absolutely you do. I do. Let's begin with the gospel. The miracle that you're not going to be resuscitated one day, you're going to be resurrected. Now let's deal with the circumstantial. Let's deal with the current pain that we have now. God in his glory may choose to heal or provide in miraculous ways. 100%, I believe he does it today. And we should always ask for it. But we do so knowing that, Lord, if you do not do this, if you choose not to heal, provide the miracle of perspective, the peace, and the hope of the gospel to richly, richly fill my mind and soul. Miracles are real. Authenticate them. Understand that they need to be in alignment with Scripture, and it needs to have a, have a, have a worldview that is completely Christocentric. I love you guys. Can't wait to see you this Sunday. Have an incredible, incredible day. God bless. Richly fill my mind and soul. Miracles are real. Authenticate them. Understand that they need to be in alignment with Scripture, and it needs to have, an, have, a, have a worldview that is completely Christocentric. I love you guys. Can't wait to see you this Sunday. Have an incredible, incredible day. God bless.